This is Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. It's powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To start your free 14-day trial, visit shopify.com. Hey, entrepreneurs, my name is Felix, and I'm the host of the Shopify Masters podcast. Each week, we put out podcast interviews with successful e-commerce entrepreneurs or experts to give you inspiration, motivation, and actionable tips to increase your traffic and sales so your store can generate the sales you need to live the life you want. On today's podcast, you'll learn from an entrepreneur that started an art marketplace in India. In this episode, you'll learn whether you should focus on buyers or sellers first when launching a marketplace, why they credit growth hacking for their early traction, and what exact tactics they used, and how a campus ambassador program changed the game for them, and exactly what's involved in starting and running an ambassador program successfully. Today, I'm joined by Brat Sethi from PosterGully.com. That's P-O-S-T-E-R-G-U-L-L-Y.com. PosterGully helps artists, designers, and creators to seamlessly start selling online while they take care of the end-to-end technology, production, logistics, quality control, and support. It was started in 2012 and based out of Delhi, India. Welcome, Bharat. Hey, thanks. So tell us a little bit more about your story and, uh, and how is it all set up? Because it's a very interesting, um, I guess, uh, it's not a typical uh, Shopify store. You're basically yeah. almost yeah. creating a marketplace. So tell us a little bit more about this store and like, how it works. Absolutely. Um, so we started in 2012 um, and we basically, I started my first eBay store when I was in school uh, and I had a lot of experience in selling art online and selling posters, uh, you know, just basically selling creative stuff all, online. And of course, when I started, I was really too young to uh, even officially re- register a company. So um, I gave it a break. I went to college. I uh, you know, tried my hands at different things and I came back to the same idea in 2012 uh, when we started. So Essentially, we started, uh, you know, to help uh, creators, um, you know, creators who basically have visual, original visual content uh, to help them monetize their work because this this was a huge problem, especially in India. There's a lot of counterfeit happening, uh, you know, and, and... Art has always been very unaffordable, very inaccessible. So we wanted to tackle all those problems, uh, you know, from from the artists, designers, and you know, creative people's end, and also from the the viewpoint of an end customer. You know, the the board, like you know, the India is really rapidly growing. You know, everybody knows about the growth story in India right now, um, and the young millennials are the people who are really driving this growth, right? And um, they are bored of the same stuff. They cannot, you know, express themselves with the same products that they see everywhere. And and you know, all of us consume so much visual content every day in our lives. Uh, you know, on on the internet and you know on the mobile screens and the laptop screens. But we wanted all of that visual content to come out of the screens. You know, and have. Uh, presence in their daily lives, you know, in hard products that they can feel and touch, um, you know. So we started uh, Postergully with that intention. We uh, basically wanted to create a platform for these people to seamlessly contribute, uh, you know, their work, creative work, um, and and you know how they could create products basically out of these entire platform that we're building. And for the of course for the buyers, very unique, exclusive products uh, in the home and lifestyle space. 
So that's the problem that we started to tackle. And of course, uh, you know, I'm happy to share more details around how we work, what's the business model like, uh, how we've scaled on Shopify, you know, you know, because we've built multiple layers on top of Shopify. Um, and right now we basically use their uh, cart functionality and the products and collections functionality. That's it. That's awesome. So you started Postergoli right out of school or was it, was there something you're doing before uh, jumping into starting your own marketplace? No, absolutely. So I have, you know, always been a very eccentric entrepreneurial mindset kid. You know, I've always uh, wanted to start something. Right? That was a niche which I had since you know really long time, and I played and got my hands dirty when I was in school itself. Um, but postgraduate started when I moved from school to college, and after that, I worked. Uh, in a couple of startups uh, before starting. So I spent about two years in, uh, you know, about uh, three jobs um, you know, working in startups. So that's, that's uh, my first job lasted for four days. <laughs> so that's it. So yeah, I mean, I, I always had that itch, you know, I've always been a very, you know, eccentric enterprising kid. So, you know, I started uh, postgraduate two years after uh, getting my graduate degree in economics from University of Delhi. Wow, so you have four days for your first job. That's like a true entrepreneur. Yep. You can't can't stand working for somebody else. Um, so, um, not really. I, I, you know, I would like to contest that because that's not true. Because uh, you know, it's very important to get a lot of uh, you know feedback and you know the way the you know it's it's important to know how to scale companies also. And you know, it's it's really good. I think I always say that you should really go out and work somewhere, but the right environment has to be given, right? The mm. right culture has to be given to you. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of things uh, don't work out sometimes. You know, so you know they, they they feel that you're just a fresher, just a kid, and you know they'll give you all the dirty work to do. But that's fine. But then there has to be some professional and personal gain in it. So yeah, and that's the major issue. But you know, th- times are changing. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's very true. You know, I think uh, maybe a lot of us entrepreneurs, because we've seen so many success stories of people just you know dropping out of school or going straight from co- building something right in college, they don't think about getting real life experience, especially in the industries that you want to eventually work in. And that's the kind of stuff is definitely invaluable. You know, you're getting paid basically to learn when you go into an industry that you eventually want to start a business in, because you get to learn about what it's like to operate at a much larger scale than you'll eventually be at, and learn what kind of things you need to put in place so that you can run a business like that. So that's a very good point that, and that, you know, work experience is definitely valuable, especially if it can be something in the industry that you want to be in. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so the, the day you decided to, you know, finally launch Poster Goalie, how do you start something like a marketplace? Because you know, that's like the big issue, especially, you know, I think eBay was probably one of the first ones to experience this, which was like, how do you get the buyers and sellers both at the same time? Because those are now your two customers rather than a typical e-commerce or where they only have one type of customer. So give us an idea of what kind of challenges you face early on. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, uh, you know, there's always this chicken and egg problem. Every marketplace faces, you know, where to get the buyers first or whether to get the, you know, know, the sellers first or in our cases, creators and artists or designers or get the people who want to buy this stuff. Um, So when we started, I really did not know anything. You know, I did not know who investors are, what VC means. Uh, you know, what does a vendor do? How does the payment books? I was so raw. Uh, but but I think as time progressed, uh, the difference, all of the differences made that what we created was something people wanted, uh, especially in our geography. It had never existed before. Um, and with that, you know, surging demand, with that uh, interest that the customers were, you know, putting into the store, we really felt that there is something big happening. Um, I, I remember this uh, event, we just, uh, you know, sort of, 
participated in it's a it's a very well known b plan competition for for college students and you know early stage companies um in india and we won it you know and uh, we were the runners up so we were surprised you know what's happening really because the potential of the business what they were creating it was much much bigger than we anticipated when we started uh, for us especially for me i think it was a very side project uh, you know to to tackle my own itch to you know be an entrepreneur be a founder uh but then as things progressed you know we really f- everybody saw a lot of value in what we were doing um especially especially because it never existed in our geography and moreover uh you know for from the creators and the artists and the designers they really you know did not have the right avenues to you know this you know to sell their work there's always a behance where they can go and create their portfolio there's a divint art but how do they actually make money and i have always felt this you know that creative people um you know who create content are the most underpaid people in the world why mm-hmm. is that that's such a big uh you know problem with the world essentially right um and you know they have to you know slap all their artwork to brick and mortar galleries you know just to sell a few prints that's passe now you know you know today with poster gully especially in india they can meet buyers from you know across india and we are going global very soon uh, you know it's a virtual marketplace and they can sell products and they can sell designs throughout various categories like animation digital art photography etc you know so they no longer had to invest time and money in building their own stores which i think uh, in 2012 was something very you know noble and very innovative um and 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 it allowed them to reach a very wide market uh, instantly um so the challenges we faced was definitely around growing the community initially of course you know with a with a you know in bootstrapping you know really low budget you three four people trying to work out stuff um so we decided that right, we very strategically decided that we want to you know have the community grow um you know at at a you know organic level uh, and get more customers because that was the pain point a lot of similar communities globally we saw that have been able to crack that problem of getting creators and artists and designers online um you know but at the same time it was very difficult to get people to buy their products and and also to keep the you know content flow in from the you know the creators end um so we decided that we'll go out and uh, let the you know community grow very organically very you know we used a lot of growth hacking to uh, get the community grow but we did not spend a single penny in acquiring any customer uh, sorry um, artist designer or creator at the same time we grew the cu- customer base very rapidly um, i remember we were uh, about 30000 odd customers in the first year itself um, so that was a huge surge i think uh, for for customers because they were really not finding these products anywhere else and the exclusivity you know really played for us That's awesome. So I want to, you know, you said a lot of great things. I want to unpack this a little bit. So you said no one was doing this already, which I think helps you yep. kind of convince these artists and creators and designers to check you guys out. Um, but then there, you know, like you're saying, they've gone the route, or I guess there's an established path, which is to go to these brick and mortars and have galleries and everything. And no one is helping these artists come online. So was that your main focus initially to try to get the artists first uh, to? list your products on your site before you focused on the other end of the equation which is to get the art buyers to check out your site which one was the the main focus at first you uh, know initially as i you know told you we were really focused on getting the customers because that's the ch- the challenge is that on very you know shoestring budget how can you growth hack your uh, customer base you know um and that is something which we focused on in the first 2 years completely 
you know, while at the same time we were building the product, you know, very extensively. So our entire platform is automated now from end to end. From a creator coming to the platform within, within you know, a couple of seconds, the request is taken, you know, that's moderated. Uh, within 15 minutes, they can just drag and drop their entire creative work on the platform and start selling. So just to clear a couple of things there, we are not, a, you know, you know, a pure buyers and sellers marketplace. We take care of everything. So the creator now has to only, you know, basically drag and drop or upload their creative work, um, you know, in a couple of formats and they can start selling because we give them the canvas to, uh, you know, basically it's a POD model. It's a print on demand model where we have vendors across uh, the country who produce for us uh, and it's completely automated from end to end. Uh, so they basically drag and drop their work. The products are created. It goes live on the storefronts. Uh, if any customer purchases those products, those same product is routed to the vendor and the vendor then manufactures it and ships it to the end customer. So the entire process, it took us, you know, time to, you know, get our hands uh, on this, get a grip on the entire model, build technology around it. Um, and, and of course, e-commerce is at the heart of this resurgence uh, for domestically produced uh, goods, goods in India. You know, uh, we, we t- we're totally empowering and putting the control, uh, you know, to the creators, something that wasn't available before. Uh, and it's, it's taken time, you know, it's not happened overnight. So we've built technology depending on what the feedback was, what the people really need, the customers and the creators both. And of course, the vendors also who produce these products for us. Um, so we are a really asset light model that way, you know, so we don't own the content that is there on the platform. Uh, neither do we produce these products, uh, but we have the power of direct branding because every product goes out as a postergally branded mm. product shipped on behalf of the creator. Um, you know, so that's, that's the entire model. It's, you know, it's taken us time to really get to this model. Um, initially, the, of course, the idea was to just uh, have unique creative products on the platform, but how to scale the entire marketplace, you know, how to really uh, you know, build a large, massive business around this. Uh, how to raise investor money? How to get investor interest in the first place? You know, all of that. All of that has taken us time, and you know, we we are the leading uh, marketplace for such products in India right now. Yeah, I definitely want to get into all your supply chain logistics and scaling and everything. I think that's going to be a really important part of this podcast. And in a second, uh, before we get there, so I just want to recap this real quick. It sounded like you made it, you wanted to make it super easy for artists to come on board. So it sounded like an easy, pretty easy pitch for artists to come on because you might as well do it because there's nothing else that exists and it's you guys took care of a lot of it so then you spend most of your time energy focusing on how to get the actual customers the buyers of the art itself and you said that uh uh you know you did a lot of growth hacking and didn't have to spend much money at all can you talk a little bit about that like what are some of the most effective ways for you to grow a community of of buyers <laughs> um so so i think very, very initially, if I just rewind myself back, I think um, um, social media growth hacking really played for us. I think uh, we were very active on social media. I think we were posting 10, 15 times a day. Not the best strategy at that time. You know, Facebook was not that evil. Uh, Google, <laughs> you know, we we got a lot of, uh, you know, keywords on Google, which we were pitching for were very cheap at that time. Um, so we really, you know, played on social media and that helped. Uh, for us so we used to do a lot of contests and giveaways and freebies uh, and we were very regular with this so everybody and anybody was waiting for the entire you know 
the, the, that giveaways that we were doing and we used to do it like three times a week four times a week um that and and of course we were always asking them to share and like and you know get tag your friends and this and that so i think contests and giveaways and freebies really worked for us uh, initially um then we we ran this uh, campus ambassador program throughout colleges in india uh and we scaled that to about 150 colleges um and that is something that really uh, changed the game for us i think uh, we we had at least 150 uh campus ambassadors in colleges across india uh who was you know who were the faces of the company in every campus in india which really helped us market the products to them give them discount coupons uh you know make them aware of what we were doing exactly uh the third is the content we played a lot on the content we give a lot of information about how the company was performing you know not just uh you know a sales pitch every time so that really helped i think we were very close to our customers we really made them feel like they're an insider to what we were doing uh you know they could be a part of this growth story in a larger way uh so that really helped us i think so when they came to the content for the blog and you were just talking about growing the business itself um so yeah i mean i i was very transparent i think you know with the numbers sector how we were performing every month uh you know how we grew every month uh you know when we you know went through an accelerator program it was a you know big news for us and we uh sort of gave that information to everybody you know all our customers as saying uh you know you were a part of this growth story thank you so all of that i think uh, you know just a small uh, part of the entire scene but that played out in the entire culture that the company was building um and uh, even though eventually we were able to build a very loyal uh, fan base and you know the the basic stuff around e-commerce um, you know in india is which is uh, you know in, in its nascent stages i would say uh, is around repeat transactions and loyalty and you know how he, can you retain the customers uh you know not let them sift through other players uh, so you know that helped uh, us a, a, a lot at that time i see so the transparency itself made people want to become more loyal to you just because you were you know sharing so much and i think that this is a pretty common uh, i started to see more and more st- common strategy but not so much in the kind of b2c world that you guys are in but more like the b2b yeah. world people building yeah. like you know saas companies or startups so share these income reports and talk about where the money's coming from, how much of it is, you know, coming in and going out, whether spending their money on. And there I think there's a lot of conversation around this right now whether, you know, obviously this kind of information is not being shared much so then when it when it is put out there a lot of people get attracted to it. And but there's also concern from people that might attract the wrong type of attention. But for you, you found that it it worked out in the end to get the right kind of uh, people paying attention to your brand. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's always uh, you know, uh, you know trade off there because that information can be used by competitors could be used by people looking to start something uh very similar mm-hmm. or a copy paste or a me too business right uh but i think it pays off you know it really pays off it really comes across as bold um you know it comes across as they you know we focusing on the business while anybody else can focus on us and we're not afraid uh because we are you know we we are the you know the we're doing something unconventional um and uh, you know we are going to be leaders and because we the ones doing it everybody is going to be behind us so it's that's the message that you know has to be very carefully planted um it cannot be like you know you de- putting up your pnl statement uh, on a blog uh that's going to be a you know way too much but basic numbers on how the community has been growing uh, what's the percentage growth how many orders we did every month so it, i th- i think that pays off in the long run um but it has to be done very carefully you know that's something 
that has to be matched uh, with how big you are and at what stage of uh, the company you are. Some of the investors might might not like it, you know, when because mm. now we've uh, we've gone through two rounds of external funding. Uh, you know, we have to be very careful as to what message we plant uh, across. You cannot put out your PNL statements on a blog. Uh, it has to be done in a very strategic manner where you being transparent, you show that you're bold, uh, but you do not give enough information so that customers, uh, you know, your competitors can uh, use it or misuse it in a lot of ways. Um, and then I think the biggest growth hack for us was the product itself, right? Because uh, there was so much exclusive content uh, that was playing out uh and it wasn't available anywhere else and we you know we we made it a um you know a rule of thumb that we will not sell on any other marketplace or any other you know our products will be very exclusive and will be found only on postergully.com um it was a hard decision initially because we of course were, were you know were losing out on a uh, couple of sales i would say um but yes it, if i have to look back now i think it really worked for us because it became a real brand, you know, uh, and that that was amazing because uh, you know it's a it's a very difficult call to take when you're taking that call, but I think uh, it worked for us. Yeah, that makes sense. That you know, at different stages of your company, it makes sense to change the way you market. And you know, when you're early on, I think it does benefit you to almost um, sell the fact that your company is growing a little bit more by saying like, you know, look at the growth of the marketplace. Because again, you are, you know, attracting two types of customers. And if you're an artist, you want to place your stuff on the, the communities or the marketplaces that are growing and they're going to be around. So I think that that was, you know, in hindsight, definitely makes sense for you guys to have done that. Um, so you mentioned a little bit about the Campus Ambassador Program. And you said that you went to, eventually got out to 150 colleges and that was a big kind of game changer for you. Can you talk to us yeah. about a little bit about that? Like how is that set up and like what's involved with the campus? Campus Ambassador Program. Yep. So we started uh, our Campus Ambassador Program with no expectations, really. You know, we just built a program. We put up a contact form on our website, um, and we started to market. and And you know, the trend of campus, uh, uh, you know, just colleges uh, in India doing a lot of stuff in there for fun activities, a lot of events and associations has become is something that has started to happen very recently. You know. Uh, so we thought that we'll be able to ride on this wave and, uh, you know, because of a lot of our target audience was in the colleges and was in the campuses, we thought that let's try something like this. It has worked for a lot of companies uh, and uh, a lot of products have especially been in stealth mode in campuses, um, but there was no proof uh, in Indian markets. So we thought that we'll try to replicate some of the you know products that we've seen who have done similar strategies, etc. Um, so when we started, our main focus was to find somebody, you know, uh, that's the first step, right? To find um, somebody who can be a point of contact, who can, you know, be the face of the company in these campuses, uh, working remotely for us. So that was the first challenge that we faced was to find the right person. Then, of course, to give them, you know, the right uh, opportunity and to, you know, to to make that uh, balance between how much do we know about what they're doing and how much do we sort of, uh, you know, take feedback from them. So we maintained that. I think uh, we let the people be. We got the right people initially. We did about a pilot above about uh, five to six campuses in Delhi itself because that's where we're located. Um, and then we got a couple of, we were lucky, we got really good people, uh, really good students rather, and they um, helped us, you know, they had contacts in other networks and campuses, etc. So we built on that, we were part of the campus uh, programs, we were doing events there, we were setting up kiosks, um, we were distributing the goodies and 
giveaways through these you know these point of contacts for us and then eventually you know this was a six month or a, you know three months sort of an internship and we moved on to found, find somebody else Mm, okay, so what was there? I think this is a really important. Cause I think maybe this uh, kind of model applies for other businesses. Um, so when you set something like this up, what is there? I guess what is like the job description look like? What do you tell them that they need to be doing if they wanted to be a part of this program? You essentially, you know, you have to uh, give them the right. I think uh, it's very important to give them something very interesting, very exciting. Um, you know, stipend is not something that a lot of students, uh, you know, would value. The, of course, it really adds, uh, but uh, you know, good opportunity for unique company for unique uh, product itself makes them happy. Um, the 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 description looks like you know something very cool, something that they would be glad to be a part of, something which gives them enough um, incentive to go out, spend a couple of hours every week, and uh, market the products. Um, you know, it can include giveaways, it can include uh, free T-shirts, for example, free products. Uh, very very moderate stipend. Um, so it's so for us. I think we were very you know basically just letting them know that this is what they would need to do. For example, they would need to get uh, you know they would need to distribute fifty coupons every week. They need to get about ten email addresses. Uh, they need to distribute X number of products. Very simple stuff, basic stuff, right? Uh, but it helped us get a lot of visibility initially, and it's a really good and cheap source of uh, getting traction initially. Uh, the ROI on such activities is so high um, that we, you know, eventually just uh, had a huge network of people, and we were paying to them in less than what we would have done to about two people sitting in our office. Wow, that's great. So you said that the you know the, the ROIs was high. How do you how do you measure something like this? Because you know it's so in person. I think when we think about ROI, we think about oh, it's so easy to kind of track all that online. But then offline, it seems a lot harder. Can you tell us about how yeah. you set that up? You have to let it go. I think uh, that's it's a game of averages. Uh, you know, any offline activity you know done at a smaller scale, uh, especially when you're doing it in house and you're not hiring a third party or th- you know an external agency for it. Uh, you have to let it go. I think it's all about getting scale. Uh, a five to ten, you know, campus ambassadors wouldn't be a, you know, wouldn't have made us made made it a big hit. Uh, but 150, yes, it did because you know ultimately you find about 20, 25 percent of the students would really work very hard, very actively. Uh, you know, mm. and it's all about how you scale that up. And you have to let it go, right? And you have to track. You have to, you know, give them the right uh, metrics. Uh, you know, they're just on. Certain KPIs, and that has to be done in a way where they also understand, right? They're getting incentivized for it. So, my funda for you know scaling such activities and offline activities is very simple: get scale, and it's a game of averages. So, just mm-hmm. let let it be. I see. That makes a lot of sense. That that maybe for something offline, you can't really track everything down to the you know to the last penny or whatever and you can just try to scale it up like you're saying and assume that you know only 20% of them are going to perform well and that's just kind of the price you have to pay to start something like this uh, and I like how you made it really results driven where you weren't just like saying oh you know here's some free stuff and do whatever with it you said we want this from you you want 10 email addresses you want you know hand out this, these many flyers and and whatnot so you also mentioned a little bit about the feedback that you were getting from them was this also a part of the program like how did you how were you able to because you know you have 150 colleges now which is a great way to be connected with your your customer base how did you how were you able to get the kind of feedback back from your ambassadors 
Um, so I think what we did at that time, and we still run that thing, is um, we uh, give them a task to collect uh, email addresses, uh, genuine email addresses of it could be anybody, you know, their friends, their peers, their it could be done digitally you know they just have to do it every week it's as a as a target um, and we then shoot out uh, you know soft copies of, of a feedback form that we have to the to those email addresses uh, and we have a special sort of uh, you know email segment that we have on our mailchimp for that um, so that helps i mean we don't want to make, you know give them we want to make it easy you know we make want to make it really simple for mm-hmm. everything so, so i think uh, that's something that I, I personally it's ingrained in the dna of the company simple stuff and even when we do contests and we run giveaways or we launch a new product category uh, you know or we do a blast sort of an email to the entire you know 120 and 30000 uh, subscribers that we have um, we try to keep things really simple you know because it always works, complicating anywhere, you know, within the team itself. The culture of the company is to just just let people click and buy or click and do whatever action they have to take. And it's it's always there, right? A lot of us know this, right? But it's very difficult to actually practice this because when you're doing it, you think, yeah, why not let's put something else? You know, why don't put uh, extra information? Mm-hmm. It's to not do something is, I think, a challenge. Uh, especially with growth stage companies, because you tend to have so much data, so much information, uh, you know, so many no- notifications that you want to give to your customers every day. But then you have to, you know, take a call and say, no, you know, this is what we're going to do and we're going to do it really well. Yeah, I, I want to talk about this some more because it, it's a really important point. I think I've been hearing, I've, I've you know, experienced it myself and I feel like I hear from entrepreneurs more and more often, which is about uh, how things can get very overwhelming very quickly. And, you know, 150 colleges, ambassador program, you know, running this kind of marketplace and everything. I could see how, you know, someone coming into this could think about all the things that they could be or should be doing, how to track everything, how to make sure everything falls in line perfectly. But like you're saying, keep it simple and it sounds like you really want to avoid making it too overwhelming. So how do you manage all of that, you know, as a entrepreneur and then uh, and how do you kind of permeate that through the rest of your company? It's always a challenge. I think, um, uh, so it's a good problem to have firstly, because these problems occur only when the business is scaling and scaling really rapidly. You know, you're adding a thousand new customers every week, uh, paying customers every week. Right. So, uh, I think the, as as a founder, I learned the hard way. You know, we were starting to blast email campaigns, and we were starting to do so many activities at the same time. Uh, you know, very early on, and we realized that this is not going to work because you know this the customers are going to leave anyways because if they're not li- liking the product, you know, they're not going to stay. So we basically the agenda was to keep things simple because we learned it the hard way. You know, we realized that this mm. is not something that works. Uh, the product has to speak, right? The product has to be the focus. Um, so, and it is different at every stage of the business. You know, if you look at us now, you know, if you're planning a campaign, it takes us about a week or two weeks even now to sort of get it going. Initially, we used to wake up in the morning and do a campaign in the evening and get, you know, 10, 20 new signups, etc. So at every stage of the company, I think we've learned, uh, we've realized that this is what we need to do. Um, you know, there's there have been a lot of addition in the team. You know, there the more uh, skillful brains around being creative uh, than me who put a lot of more effort in terms of planning and uh, executing these campaigns. So it pla- it pans out, but it's a good problem to have, I think. Mm. 
Yeah, definitely makes sense. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about uh, the kind of uh, the VC, the, the angle that you went with investments and external investments. I think, you know, that's not necessarily an avenue that probably a lot of listeners go down, but it seems to have obviously have helped you kind of accelerate your business. So maybe something other people might want to consider. Can you tell us a little bit about your the process? Like when did you first get investments and and how did you go about finding investors? Yeah. Um, so, when, so as I was telling you about, uh, you know, we started to build out as a really cost efficient and operationally stable company. That that was the goal. You know, we uh, were focused on profitability. We were focused on, you know, getting the things right. Um, and, and we you never really thought about, you know, especially I would not say we, me, because I was the only one doing stuff right at that time. And I was not you know aware of how the entire venture capital industry or the you know angel investment scene works um especially because in india it was probably non-existent at that time you know things have really really mm-hmm. changed in the last couple of years when we were scaling up as i told you right we won a b plan competition and uh, i remember the next day we got a call from one of this uh, accelerator groups uh in india it was the first one in india actually um, then they used to help companies, uh, you know, get a, get to a MVP or a, you know, you know, get their product market fit right. And did, they used to take a couple of, basically, they used to take some equity in the company and how the entire, you know, investment scheme works. Um, and so I was very open. I said, why not? You know, so you know, we, I've, I've, as a, you know, as a founder, I've never been stuck up on valuations and stuck up on stuff like that. Um, you know, I've always been very open to, you know looking at stuff and th- at that time I was extremely extremely open to understand how we could attract attention of external people um so we went through the accelerator you know we went through and it was extremely you know helpful for us um and we've ne- not looked back since then i think in terms of uh, if you talk about raising money um the entire process was that the people and the, you know could see a much larger opportunity um you know similar businesses uh, globally were able to build massive multi million dollar companies um in the us in australia uh, you know in more mature markets so all of that panned out and we were the right players i think to for for a lot of investors uh, to invest in this space in india uh, and moreover, you know, as we grew, we became super competitive. Uh, you know, we had a lot of differentiation when it came to technology. Um, you know, we were really adding a lot of value to the creators, to the vendors who were producing these products, and of course, to the end customers. Uh, and of course, you know, so we were, again, as I mentioned, right, you, because we were very open, we could attract a lot of interest, mm. um, you know, for, for, from external investors. So we, we raised a small round in uh, January of 2014 and we raised the last round of funding in June of 2015 and we are right now closing um, a pre-Series A round. That's awesome. So it sounded like you know you first started with a business plan, a plan of competitions. You, you know you put yourself out there by talking a lot about the growth on your blog, and then you said you joined an accelerator. So for people out there that might not be familiar with accelerators, can you explain like what the process is behind uh, getting into one, and like what it, what does an accelerator accelerator do for your business? Yep. Um, so accelerators are really essential and I think helpful for early stage companies, idea stage companies, uh, companies that are looking to find a proof of concept, um, you know, I, you know, about three to f- about six months into existence, um, no paying customers, but there's an idea that they would want to explore. 
um, and they're looking for the right mentorship and they're looking for some very small seed capital. Um, so that's the agenda for an accelerator, right? They bet on really early stage companies and it's not just uh, money that they come with. They come with a lot of mentorship and guidance um, you know, because they would have scaled similar businesses uh, they understand how to get the customers and, you know, how what is the right practices and what are the best practices uh, and how they could learn. So going through an accelerator is typically a process where, um, you know, you spend a couple of uh, weeks in that accelerator, you co-work with a couple of uh, companies. Uh, there's a set of advisors and mentors that help you in understanding what your business is all about. Um, and then, you know, you, you, you basically, if there is something and if there is something that actually people want uh you know you product in your product can be out there mm-hmm. makes sense okay so um now i want to talk a little bit about the uh the uh, actual supply chain logistics and everything because earlier on you were saying how you have these print on demand vendors throughout the throughout the uh, country and then you have um you know a lot of different buy- sellers and you manage the entire marketplace so it sounds like a lot of things need to kind of fall into place so can you give us an idea of how complex the logistics are of your company yeah yeah it is it is it is uh Pretty supply chain complex business. Um, that is the real challenge, you know, and that is the challenge which has uh, kept us, I think, uh, ahead of the competition because we really understand that very well. Um, so, you know, I'll go into explaining very simply how the entire process works. Uh, there's a platform that we've built um, for the creators who who hold original visual content uh, in any form, right? It could be illustration, graphic design, photography, it could be just a plain doodle that they've sketched, you know, anything uh, that is original and uh, is in a visual format. Um, so we give them a platform where they can come and drag and drop their uh, work uh, on that platform and they can then get an option to choose, uh, you know, from the entire range of product categories that we have, which includes wall art, which includes lifestyle categories, apparels, uh, tech accessories like laptop skins and mobile cases and about 30 odd categories right now. Um And they get a canvas and, you know, very, very swiftly and easily they can launch the products on their collection. Um, And once these products are in their collection, they get all the right tools to market their products and market their collections, uh, you know, to to their own networks. Um, Any customer buys those products, uh, those products are then, you know, uh, the entire order is shipped, basically given to the vendor, which produces these products and ships it to the end customer who's bought it. And the creator makes a fixed commission on every sale. Mm-hmm. Was that a little too complex? No, yeah. It sounds like you definitely had to build a custom platform yeah. to handle all of that. Um, so yeah. are there any kind of uh, tools or, or Shopify apps to help you run your business other, you know, on top of this platform that you've built? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think uh, one of the major changes that have happened to our business is that uh, we've been able to build a very strong tech uh, business, uh, you know, it's not just a marketplace wherein there's, there are, you know, we're connecting buyers and sellers, or it's not just a pure e-commerce website. So uh, we have a lot of scalability built into, into the model itself. So we've built multiple layers on top of Shopify, we, which help us, you know, basically connect and talk to the APIs, uh, you know, both the platforms, the backend platform that we've created and the customer platform, which is on Shopify to help them sort of talk to each other. Um, and the the biggest, I think, benefit we get got out of Shopify was that um, Shopify scaled really fast. In the last three years, 
Shopify has built a lot of technology. It has, you know, if we, we were to consider three years back or four years back, uh, Shopify wouldn't have been the right platform for us if you we were scaling that rapidly. But as we scaled, Shopify scaled, uh, you know, even faster. They developed a lot of uh, open source tools and there was so much technology that we could, uh, you know, use that they were building. Um, you know, it made it so easy for developers to sort of build on layers on top of Shopify. The app store is amazing. You know, there's so many uh, apps that they could connect um, with Shopify. And are there any specific ones that you um, that you like using from the app store? Um, yeah, so we use S Loyalty for the referral uh, in, uh, program. So that's something that we've been using for a while now, and and it's working very well for us. Then we use. Uh, some other apps also. I'm currently, I would have to look uh, at that because I haven't seen that for a while. Because we tend to develop tools on our own now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whatever apps you want to develop, we typically look at building our own layers of those products. Um, we use very simple apps also. Basically, for for reviews, we use a Rankle. I remember. Uh, basically, which helps us get customer reviews every time a customer orders and the product is shipped, they get an email saying they can review the product. Uh, we use a lot of reporting reporting apps, actually. We use uh, an app called Retention Grid and we use an app called Vantage. Um, we use that for analytics and basically, you know, intelligent ads uh, for our business. So we use that. We also use an app called, uh, for social logins, we use an app called Hull. Uh, I'm not sure if it is uh, linked to the current Shopify platform, but we use that on our platform as a third party. Um, so these are the apps. I think initially we were using a lot of apps, but as we grew, we you know um, focus on building our own products because they're scalable and we don't have to pay, of course, uh, you know, to developers uh, outside our own company. So all of that helps basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you know, one thing, <clears throat> one last thing I want to talk about before we close this out is that you know you're probably one of the first guests I've had on this podcast that exclusively has you know dominated the the marketplace in in in, in India. So for someone that that's out there that that wants to get into this market in that geography, uh, you know, what have you found different about selling to the Indian market versus you know anywhere else? I'm, you know, I'm not sure if you have too much experience outside because you're still planning on going global. But you know, are there anything specific things to keep in mind to sell? To, uh, to that geography? Yeah, so see, the, the, uh, the biggest challenge in the Indian e-commerce space is uh, the entire discounting process. You know, customers are not uh, very mature, you know, as uh, you know, they would be in more mature markets um, like the US. Um, you know, there's a lot of logistical, you know, problems that we face with, uh, you know, India being a massive country and logistics not being very formulated as of now. Uh, you know, it's growing, but uh, it it is not uh, something that we can rely on every time we ship a product or, or an order. Apart from that, I think the market is maturing. You know, customers and users are finding, you know, getting to find, I think, the real value in buying online versus buying offline. So we're, we're at a stage where, uh, you know, differentiation really helps and building a very strong brand presence really helps. A lot of money. You know, and deep pockets really help because it gets you uh, get visibility and gets you build a great product. It's not like, you know, the more mature markets where you start something uh, which is great and you can, you know, you'll be able to build a, uh, you know, small, medium business out of it and then let it grow basically because the customer retention is a problem. Uh, the loyalty is something that is still some, you know, uh, you know it will take some time uh, for us to 
figure out how it's really going to pan out. Um, you know, and one of the biggest problems is uh, the cash and delivery problem. Basically, where uh, the products are shipped to the customer and then the customer pays mm-hmm. rather than paying upfront. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a very unique problem in India only. Um, no other economy, or you know, e- in working in an e-commerce model has this, uh, you know, this entire proposition. It has helped uh, the giants like Flipkart scale very rapidly. Uh, but it's an evil problem, right? And it's, it really has to go away. Uh, you know, if I, if I if I were to talk about the challenges that we face in India, but again, right, India is a land of opportunities right now. There's a lot of consumption that's happening. People are very receptive to new ideas, um, and it's the right place to be. Yeah, I totally totally agree. I think uh, it's definitely at the you know so early stages, which means it's a great time to get in because there's so much room for growth. So you know you've been in business now for four years. Sounds like you're on your third round of investment. Can you share you know how successful the business is today? Um, so we've been uh, you know growing very rapidly over the years. Uh, you know we've, we've uh, our com- community size is close to about 4,700 active uh, artists, designers, and creators. Uh, almost, uh, you know, 1,500 new products are being created every day on the platform. Um, you know, close to 5,000 new designs are uploaded, every, you know, every month on the platform. Uh, we have exclusive catalog size of over 180,000 products um, right now. And there's a lot of, in terms of, there's a lot of uh, exclusive access that we have to the high resolution content, which we're using and which we will be using to uh, leverage through other soft mediums later on uh, that we have some plans for. Um, we are, you know, we launched uh, about 30 odd categories right now. And there are about, uh, you know, 50 more categories that we're planning to do next year uh, on the same just-in-time and on-demand e-commerce model that we're running. Um, our app, uh, mobile apps really see a lot of traction and we see about 50% of our traffic uh, coming from apps right now and the mobile uh, site. So that's from the creators and from... Um, from the sales side, we we uh, from the customer side, we have over one hundred twenty thousand paying paid customers who've, who've uh, you know transacted on the website, and uh, we are looking at about a million dollars uh, in run rate uh, next year, and we have grown over one hundred fifty percent month on month, year on year. Sorry, that's amazing. So, what what are the um, the goals for this year? Like, what do you want to make sure you guys hit um, for the for twenty sixteen? Uh, for 2016, I think uh, we're looking to really grow the community. Uh, we're looking at uh, also unique opportunities around how do we monetize uh, the content that we're getting in terms of licensing and uh, brand affiliations. We're opening the platform to a lot of brands and celebrities uh, who are using the platform to connect with their fans and followers uh, by by using and creating products on their based on their visual content. Um, so we're doing that and there are some targets that we have for that. Um, apart from that, we, uh, as I mentioned, you know, we're looking at about a million dollars in run rate uh, next financial year. Um, and uh, this is going to be fueled a lot by our current fundraising efforts that we're doing. Uh, in total, we have raised about $200,000 uh, so far and uh, this is going to be a 5 fix round. Wow, that's amazing. So thanks so much, Bharat. So postergully.com, P-O-S-T-E-R-G-U-L-L-Y.com is the website. Anywhere else that you recommend the listeners check out if they want to follow along with what you're up to? Um, I think uh, I'm, I'm not <laughs> uh, writing very really actively these days, but uh, I'm, you know, they can definitely look at our social pages, social media pages. There's a lot of uh, activity that happens every day. Uh, I'm active on Medium. I mean, I'm starting to write on Medium so they can check me out on Medium. I'm active on LinkedIn. <laughs> cool. And this is by just, just your name. I can spell it out too. Uh, yep. B-H-A-R-A-T-S-E-T-H-I. Thank you so much again. Pleasure. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com for a free 14-day trial.